good morning. Hello, Sylvia Rose. How are you? I'm great, Brian. How are you? Good, good. Happy Saturday. Today is Saturday. I know. We usually record this on Sunday. We're a little early this week, so I'm excited yeah. to get this out early, actually. Yeah, I have uh, I have company here from Rhode Island, and she and I are going to go to the beach tomorrow with my friends who are traveling from New York, and they'll be here tomorrow. So, um, yeah, so I thought we'd do a day early. Yeah, that's great. The beach sounds really good, but not right now. I don't know how it is down there, but it's it's like a hurricane here. It is yeah. Rain. It is not good outside right we're, now. We're waiting for it. We've already been in the pool this morning because it is. it was really nice when we first woke up. Uh, the clouds are coming. They said around 11, and they're pretty accurate. It's going to be here soon. I hope the wind noise doesn't interfere because it is really windy. Same here. So, listeners, if you do hear a rustling about, that's probably what you do here. It is, uh, there are t- tornado warnings right now all over the place, and the weather is yes. just not good. So, but it's supposed to be quick. It's going to go through really quickly. By late afternoon, we'll be back in the pool. Well, good. And we will be joined yet again on this episode by our resident homosexual, Mr. Kevin Crunk. We do have a list of topics that we are going to discuss, and we're just going to keep it really light and start out by just discussing what we're watching on TV right now. We are living, arguably, in the golden age of television, and there is just so much to watch that I find it hard to even find time to put in the hours at work. You know, I... <laughs> I have priorities here and there's so much there's so much to watch on television right now it's ridiculous and we are now joined by our resident homosexual Kevin Cronk welcome you better believe it (laughs) hey Kevin how are you hey girl hey I'm good how are you I'm great it's uh we're just relaxing out by the pool waiting for the storm to blow through and you know it's the weekend and I'm on vacation I started oh, nice. vacation. Well, I'm glad you're on vacation, but I freaking hate that you're yeah. sitting outside because I'm looking out my window at snow. Yeah. Oh, well, you can keep that shit. That, I don't know why you moved there. <laughs> what, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I've been here now almost 20 years, and I'm not going back in the winter ever again. Yeah, it's been really, really difficult. If I didn't have to be here for my job and for my husband, then I would definitely be on a beach. Yes, uh, which we were on the beach yesterday. It was magnificent. Oh, rub, oh, rub that in. Nice. <laughs> How does that feel, Kevin? There Feels go. so good. <laughs> I love the pain. Uh, all right. Oh, that's great. So, well, I'm sorry that you're experiencing snow, but are you an outdoorsy person? Do you do anything like physically snow related? <laughs> you're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's outdoorsy in the fact that he goes out in the world of Warcraft and he, he, he goes questing almost daily. Well, he doesn't okay. do it as much as he used to, and neither do I, but we were, both of us were very addicted to that game for quite a while. Oh, fun. So you're not like on a snowmobile or snowshoeing on weekends? <laughs> oh, God, no. I didn't even like doing that when I was a child. And everybody was like, let's go sledding. I'm like, what? Why? Why? Because oh, it's we, fun. We have a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So what are we watching on television is what Brian and I were just going to start talking about. And I'm going to go first, Brian, because mine's quick and easy. I um. We just finished Mayor of Easttown. Have oh you heard my God. of that? Oh, I, oh, yes. I love And for the listeners out there, that's Mayor M-A-R-E um, right. that's, of Easttown. It's the, character. it's the yeah. character's name. Yes. 
Whoa. Well, yeah, we just finished that. And uh, that was really good. I oh. will say, I'm sorry that it ended. So that's how good it was. Give us a little synopsis. I've never heard of it. Oh, my okay, God. So Kate Winslet. Played, I love her. Of course, who doesn't? She plays a detective in like a town somewhere in Pennsylvania. Like you can tell it's kind of the rust belt. And it's she's. A detective. She lives with her mom, who is played by Jean Smart, who is amazing. I love and, her. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> who doesn't and, love uh, a designing woman? <laughs> I know. Um, but she's, you know, on the tail of a murderer who has killed a young woman in their town. And there's missing girls. It's really great. I don't know if you ever watched Broadchurch. Hmm. Um, I have never that seen was, that. That was one of my favorite shows ever. Brian, if you like Mayor of Easttown, you need to watch Broadchurch because it was basically the American version, you know, different murder scene, but the same thing where every episode that you turned it off, you were blaming another character. Oh, and then well, the next episode, you were like, oh, no, it's this character. That's how Mayor so, of Easttown was for me. Every episode, exactly. I was like, oh, I, I know exactly what's going on. And then the next episode, I'd be like, oh, I was so wrong. Yes. <laughs> and so watch Broadchurch because it's done so well. And it's um, Olivia Coleman plays the detective. I just Googled her. I hate the fact that Olivia Rodrigo is the first thing that comes up when you type in Olivia on Google. I don't even know I, who that is. Oh, oh that Jesus. Either. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't, don't even. Who is don't, that? She's a singer. And all the, oh, all, okay. the, all the teens are all about her right now. Oh, oh my okay. God. She's in the um, British version, sort of, of that show, and it's called Broadchurch, and you should give it a, give it a look. Oh, absolutely. Um, and what else are we watching? We are kind of on a TV down thing right now. We're not watching a lot because Ozark just finished. We're waiting for the rest of that. And, um, you know, whatever, we still like the Food Channel, and we really like HGTV going when we're kind of doing other things. So uh, I don't have a lot on my list. What about you, Brian? It takes a lot for me to get into scripted shows. I am more of a reality show competition kind of girl. All oh, right? that's true about Ooh. you. <laughs> so one of my favorite shows is Survivor. And Survivor's just oh. started season 42. And I can't believe oh it's on God. season 42. Yeah, but just we started haven't, this week. We haven't seen it yet. We're okay. on it, though. That's on our list for sure. It, it is always on my list. I never miss a season of Survivor. And I don't know if you watched last season or... I did. Okay. I watch every season, just like you. So before last season, I was always that person, like, I'd love to go on Survivor. But then last season, they threw in this twist that they don't even give them rice to eat anymore. And you <laughs> you are really... Fending. It's all about the food, Brian. <laughs> you are, at least you had a handful of rice on the first 40 seasons. And then season 41 <laughs> comes around and they're like, no, you have to fight for your rice. Oh, that's great. Have they always been given rice? They have, yeah. No, 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 not every, not every season because I'm desperately trying to catch up to you guys, but I'm only halfway through season seven right now. And season, se season seven, they didn't give them rice or beans or anything. And it was like oh. 10 days into the competition and one of the teams was like, 
we have barely eaten anything and there's like three people laying on the beach look like they're half dead <laughs> so <laughs> then the next challenge they gave them some food even the losing team because they were gonna die <laughs> that you would know, be me used, after two days <laughs> they used to i love that they used to do uh like a weigh-in before and after survivor like you always saw how much they lost weight oh, they yeah. lost they don't do I've, that anymore i forgot all about that yeah they yes don't. Yeah, they don't do that. Well, it's so unhealthy. They can't, you know, they can't advertise that shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, so so it's a great show. That's the best on television. You're right about that. So that is one that I watch all the time. Of course, RuPaul's Drag Race, which we discussed last episode, is never going to end. We are here (laughs) in, this is season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and this is the fourth episode of season 14 where not one drag queen has gone home mm-hmm. which me i mean we it just never ends and so we had snatch <laughs> we had snatch game last week and we'll talk about that a little bit because yes um, i did I, my homework oh okay, yay good. i'm so excited okay. um i'm also watching on hulu which just finished i think it was this week is pam and tommy if you haven't started watching pam and tommy on hulu and i know what it sounds like, you're going to be like, why? What That was so 20 years ago. There's a lot to that story that was not discussed in the press. I, Is I this found... the Rhode Island story of the murderer with uh, Renee Zellweger? Oh, I wish. No, this uh, is about, this is, this is much more vapid. This is about Pamela <laughs> Anderson and Tommy Lee. Okay. Oh. And their sex tape. That's what it's about. Oh. And how this. sound like, I'd like that. Well, you might, so for me, I am a biography kind of girl, right? I love a true story and I love a biography. So for me to get the inside details of how their sex tape was actually stolen, how it was sold and leaked and how it actually came about and how they actually made no money from it at all was very, very interesting to me. I didn't know any of that. I thought they made millions off of that sex tape and they didn't make anything. Oh, Um, yeah. Gary likes that kind of stuff. So we'll probably watch it. I just wrote it down. It's really good. Well, um, what's I'm wild also... about that is that sex tape was the early 90s. I can't even Correct. believe there is enough people that, number one, remember it. Number two, ha- <laughs> care about what's happening to them like 25 <laughs> years later. What the hell? I just, was... well, I'm very confused by how this made it on television. I'm sure it's <laughs> incredibly entertaining, like Bobby and Whitney. But, you know, it's, it, it, I, it's just, it baffles my mind. Well, it's even. True. Even though it is about Pam and Tommy, I will say there is a third character, and that's Tommy Lee's penis, who actually, (laughs) who I'm not joking, has has an actual song in episode two. The penis sings a song in episode two. I'm not joking. It's worth the watch just to see that. I'm not surprised his penis can sing, honestly. It is... Pretty I am. I'm very surprised that his penis can sing. It's. And I mean, it's this, a talent. I think I need to see because I don't believe it. It's a talented penis. It is. <laughs> it is. I've in fact. And Brian knows why. talented penises. Okay. So. Oh, I, yeah, I'm a connoisseur of talented penises. <laughs> okay. So the other show that I'm watching right now that's only in episode four is called The Dropout, and that's about Elizabeth Holmes, who invented. Oh. If you know who she is, she was was just convicted and found guilty of fraud and all this stuff uh, for her invention called Theranos, or for her company called Theranos. Her invention was called the Einstein, which was supposedly able to make hundreds of blood tests off of literally one drop of blood. 
and it just never worked ever and uh she was found guilty recently of fraud that's a really good show on hulu also another show that are recently ended is peacemaker uh, on hbo that's a great show you would hate on hbo as well somebody somewhere is really really good it's a real quick little you know 25 minute show it's a drama that also has some gay characters in it it's very very funny and of course what I was watching that actually just wrapped, thankfully, because I do need a little bit of a break from Drag Race, is Drag Race UK versus the world. And congratulations to Blue Hydrangea, who is our first reigning international queen. Yes. <laughs> As predicted, thank you. Yes, Kevin. Did you did say us. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I was very happy with the way that ended up. I think it was appropriate. Uh, the top two people were absolutely the top two, in my opinion, as well. So I think it was very fair. I would have been super fine with either Mo or Blue winning. I would have been fine with any of them, honestly. Even Baga, even though Baga cannot dance for anything. And that that roll around that she did on the stage, that little <laughs> sausage roll move that she invented. I, I, I will live for that for the rest of my life. So, I love me some Baga, but I, you know, Baga is lazy. You know, Baga, it, <gasps> she she sits on her fame and she knows she's super talented and she can pull shit off without really preparing. And so she does it and you can tell, but you know, she's still hilarious and she brings out something really interesting that other Queens don't necessarily do. Uh, she's a lot of fun to watch, but I really don't think that she kind of fit. You know, in, you know, Sesame Street, they used to do the which of these kids is doing his own thing. You know, <laughs> she's in the top left corner doing her own thing. You know, it's completely different from everyone else. That's funny. Oh, shit. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of not preparing, did everybody watch Snatch Game? Because oh. yeah. I did. And boy, do I have some things to say about Snatch Game. Oof. So this is all. Go ahead and then I'll uh, chime in. Go ahead, Sylvia. All right. Um, well, first of all, I I love Match Game, and so I'm I was expecting to love it. My problem with some of it, we didn't watch that much because Gary was here, and he was like, "What are we doing?" So I finally <laughs> was like, I wasn't going to make him watch that whole thing. I so love it when what I, men watch Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but our problem was twofold. One was we don't know the queens. Right. So we didn't really know if they were putting on their best show or their worst. And our second problem was we didn't know some of the characters they were playing. Yeah. Um, I don't know some of those people because I'm so out of the loop with young Hollywood Mm -hmm. or sports or something or rap music. I don't know what I was missing, but I didn't know some of them. So it made it kind of eh, boring. I I was unfamiliar with one of them, but I knew everybody else. But one of them I did did. not know. Yeah, Ilana Glazer. I did not know who she was, which was I didn't either. Yeah, see? And I didn't know, of course I knew Betsy DeVos, which was great. Um, Such wasted potential in that character. That could have been so much fun. Yeah. um, I did know Gwyneth, too. I didn't like, I didn't think she was great. I don't know, but you guys know the queen, so your assessment of the program is probably going to be way better than mine. So well, uh, let me apologize first. Let me apologize because uh-huh. this is the first Snatch Game you've watched. And in my opinion, it is by far the worst Snatch Game <laughs> I've ever seen on any season. It was pathetic. And if you listen to the judges at the end, 
there's a reason. I mean, they were called them out and they were like, this is ridiculous. They told them this was terrible. This was a terrible snatch game. And it was terrible. I don't know what they were thinking, really. You know, I like Bosco, but Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, that what was... What the fuck? Yeah. Really? How are you going to make <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow funny? That just doesn't work. No, it and doesn't work. Diabetti say- could have gone in so many different directions with Ozzy Osbourne. That could have been hilarious. Right. Now, just did they won't, pick won't. their own character? They did. Yeah. They- yeah. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think then they would have done better. Yeah, they should have done. And you know what? I'm I'm going to make this up to you because I'm going to go through <laughs> and look over all of the classic Snatch games and we'll pick out the best Snatch game for you to watch and really kind of hopefully you'll understand why we love this so much. Okay, so here's the thing. In my hunt for Snatch game last night, you know, I have this bootleg program of TV things and I could only get on like video on demand up to, I think, season seven. After that, I didn't have anything. I caught it live. Like mm. it was live on VH1 or something last night. So don't don't give me anything after season seven because I don't think I'll be able to find it. Unless I, I can find can it on YouTube. I think okay. we can work with that. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll watch another one and then okay. we'll uh, we'll have to discuss again. Yeah, they, we we have to prove to you that we're not idiots when we're saying <laughs> Snatch Game is great. <laughs> it's it's an iconic gay icon thing. Snatch Game is culturally iconic in okay. not on, not only RuPaul's Drag Race but in the gay world. The one that I was most disappointed with was, and you probably don't know who this is because if you don't watch past seasons of Drag Race, especially early seasons, you won't know who Tammy Brown is. But that Tammy nope. Brown is one of those drag queens that if you look, if you watch anything on YouTube with Tammy Brown, you'll realize that she is not from this planet. No, nope. she, <laughs> she is on her own loop. She is on that. She's another one that's like, there's this, this kid in the corner is doing their own thing. Which one is it? You know, that's Tammy Brown. She is mm-hmm. insane. So there was completely so much room. There's so much room there for that character. The only one that actually did win the snatch game was Deja Sky, and it was her first win on the show. Mm-hmm. And she won. She won for portraying Little John, which I thought was good. It was the best. Who one I on. don't know. Who's I don't know John? either. Oh well, I do know him. It, he, I mean, he he was famous in the late '90s, maybe early 2000s. He had a couple songs that basically all sounded the same, and. Deja did a real Deja did a really good job of impersonating him. It's basically that thing, yeah, that thing right there. That's all mm-hmm. he does in like every song, over Ew. and over. Yeah. yeah. You know what was it. interesting to me about this snatch game? You know, I remember, and it wasn't that long ago. I don't think that somebody did. Oh, oh, was it was it one of the Kennedys did Little Richard, and it oh. was kind of. Woo! It was kind yeah. of scandalous because <laughs> they were like, oh, "You're doing a male character," and yeah. you know, it was it one one of, if not the first time, somebody had done a male character, and they didn't really know how to how to look at what she was doing, and it was fantastic. And, and now we see tons of male characters on. There. I was going to comment on that, but I was surprised myself that they were going male drag and not female. I was surprised. Um, yeah. Back in the day, it was quite the scandal. It was. Oh, okay. It was. Now it's acceptable. There's yeah. another, well, just in case you guys did not know, there were rules placed back in the day about Snatch Game that said the drag queens could not portray other drag queens. 
Yes. And now we have, again, we saw it with Drag Race UK versus the world. No, I'm sorry. We saw it with uh, this season of Drag Race where Tammy Brown was actually portrayed. Mm-hmm. I want to say somebody portrayed a drag, ra- a drag queen on UK versus the world. Maybe I'm mistaken. But they've done it in the past before. Somebody's portrayed Alyssa Edwards before. And I thought there was a rule passed that they actually had to, they can't do celeb, they can't do drag queens. They actually have to portray celebrities and they can't portray characters like in UK versus the world where supposedly it was Mike Myers, but it was really Austin Powers. They're really not allowed to do that. They have to actually portray the actual celebrity. So there's, there's rules that are just, I guess, no longer in place. Thank goodness, because that Mike Myers was hilarious. That was really, really well done. It was, but can't we just say it was Austin Powers and Dr. Evil instead of saying it was Mike Myers? Well, of course. I mean, that was the catch. He had to say it was Mike Myers because he's not allowed to, you know, portray characters. Anyway. Well, I did that homework. I did all my homework. It would be proud of me. Okay, so what did you think? Um, Let's get into our, do you guys want to get into our artist of the week? Sure. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, First impressions, before I even go off on my little tangent about Alanis Morissette and give you the facts behind her success or lack thereof recently, go ahead and give me your impression. What do you guys think of Alanis Morissette? So I listened to the three big hits off of Jagged Little Pill that I knew already, and I already knew I didn't like them. My problem with her is her voice. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. It just doesn't appeal to me. She sounds like she's angry and screaming all the time, and it kind of gives me anxiety. So I've always shut it off. I couldn't even tell you all the words to all those songs. I just know that I'm familiar with them. And I know that that one, Ironic, isn't even about irony. (laughs) I knew you were going to call that out. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't everybody called that out? I yeah, think so. I even saw Margaret Cho uh, call it out in one of her stand-ups. But yeah, it's not irony. It no. sucks, but it's not irony. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's what I'm all I'm going to say about her music. Quickly, oh, maybe I maybe I the shouldn't have rest... tagged Alanis in the tweet. No, I'm glad to... that you did because I learned I learned a lot about her that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> first of all, do you know that she has a podcast? I did not know that. And it's very popular. And I listened to two episodes, you know, partial episodes to get a feel for what that was all about. She's so smart. She's so, she's kind of like a hippie. And she's very well informed about things that, like about brain function and things that, why do you know that? You know, she's talking to these people about stuff that, is way over my head. I finally got bored with it because I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Uh, But it was interesting, some of it. And I also learned that she suffered with like food-related disorders, you know, Mm. her relationship with food, as she called it, Uh, bulimic, anorexic, all of those things. I didn't know that about her either. Yeah, Um, one of her music videos is actually about that called Thank You, yeah. Oh, okay. So I I think I would like her. I just don't like her voice. I just don't want to hear her sing. That's all. That's my take. <laughs> all right. Fair. Fair. Would you yeah. right. Yep, yep. So I... Uh, okay, so I didn't even... I'd never even heard of her first two albums, uh, which 
I think is by design because I think they intentionally tried to bury her first two albums when the Jagged Little Pill came out. But I did find them and I did listen to little snippets from each of the songs. And uh, it kind of sounded like I was listening to a Paula Abdul album, honestly. It was um, kind of fun in a retro kind of way, but, you know, it didn't really stick. So then I put on Jagged Little Pill and it's quite different than the first two it's a very different feel to the music i i it it took me back you know this all of this music came out like when i was in high school right after high school and you know it's it's it 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 was very nostalgic so i really had fun with it i really did there were quite a few songs that i had completely forgotten she did specifically and i heard i'm like oh that's right oh yeah that was really fun like you learn I'm like, I forgot all about that song. But yes, just think everybody knows that song. Everybody's heard that song. So I had a really good time listening to this and learning more about her, honestly. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you did. I think Alanis Morissette is a, if we're studying musical artists, she is one that we can't really pass up because she does kind of define a generation Mm -hmm. where she started this musical trend that seemed to uh, follow very quickly with artists like Fiona Apple and people like that that came after her, this angsty female trend. But that's part of the problem, I think, with Alanis Morissette is that her first song and her first release was called You Oughta Know, which was this very angry kind of anthem for uh, this kind of a breakup song, which was actually written about comedian Dave Coulier, if you guys did not know that. Uh, Oh, really? Yes. Wasn't he on Full House? Yes, and she dated him, and that's what the song is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you did not know that, mm-hmm. yeah, Dave Coulier feels some kind of way about that. But, Things uh, that make you go. Hmm. Yeah, so I think Alanis Morissette is a really good study as far as musical artists go. She's also one of those artists that I don't feel like has a consistent, discernible sound. All right, and her voice absolutely. When her voice, when she's singing something, you know it's Alanis Morissette, just like you mm-hmm. said, Sylvia. Yeah you can't stand her voice. My dad feels the same way. He cannot yeah. stand her voice. Whereas I, I looked at her, I did not see her that way. When she first came out, I saw her as this grungy kind of real angry girl and her voice really did fit the scenario of the song. However, she's really not that kind of person. And that one song. At all. Yes. At, at all. At all. When I and read I, up on her, she is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that one song really did define her. And she consistently tried to break that mold throughout the rest of her career. And she was never quite able to. She's still kind of seen as the queen of angst. And she's not. She's really not. The rest of her music is not angry in the least. It's very introspective. It's very spiritual type of music. So She I is think... super spiritual. Yeah, super duper very... spiritual. So just so you guys know, a little background on her on her actual third album, Jagged Little Pill. It's actually ranked in just the U.S. charts. It's actually ranked number 19, and it has now sold 16 million copies. Just above who holds the number 20 spot was the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack from the Bee Gees. Wow. I love it. I love it, too. So she is up there with some heavy hitters. She is just below the Beatles. She's just below Elton John's Greatest Hits album. She's actually, I know, right? So Jagged Little Pill is one of those albums that is a juggernaut as far as album sales go. However, her other albums did not hold up to the same standard. And Mm -hmm. she saw a very quick decline in album sales. 
let's kind of get into this a little bit. Let me go into the background of Alanis Morissette, and then we'll talk about how album sales are actually calculated. Because if you looked up, if you just Googled the best-selling artists of all time, you're going to get very different results based on the charts that you look at. And I'm going to discuss why you're going to get those results. So Alanis Morissette, she was actually born June 1st, 1974 in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. She had early success, as Kevin mentioned, as a teen pop star in 1991 with her debut album, Simply Called Alanis. And just like Kevin discussed, it does sound very Debbie Gibson, very Paula Abdul, very dancey, <laughs> background dancers, choreography, the whole thing. So she was actually a pretty successful. She landed the opening act touring for Vanilla Ice. The album became the went platinum in Canada. It was never actually released in the U.S. And her second album. Wait, 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 was, wait, wait. Oh, if you do oh. the math, her first album came out when she was 17. I mean, yes. really, that's yes. impressive. You know, she's wow. a child prodigy. Who yes. does their first album and has it? And, and it's a, a hit, a big hit in Canada. I mean, it was played a lot in Canada. So, I mean, that just, uh, that impressed me. I can name one person. <coughs> Britney Spears. <laughs> hmm. <She was> 15. <laughs> 15 when Baby One More Time was recorded. Just well, so there's, there's, there's quite a few child products, but I was surprised she was. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, she is. She started out very, very, very young. And Jagged Little Pill actually came out when she was in her early 20s. So, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that. Her second album was more of the same pop dance material. And it's, it was called Now Is The Time. It did not sell nearly as well as her first album, resulting in Alanis being dropped from a record label. And she pretty much altogether disappeared in Canada as a star. She really did kind of become a one-hit wonder in Canada. So deciding to take a risk and start all over, Alanis moved to LA and began working with record producer Glenn Ballard. And this is the magic to Jagged Little Pill, yep. who at the time had major success, believe it or not, with the pop trio Wilson Phillips, <laughs> oh. both writing and producing their first two albums. Ballard also had much more notable success earlier in his career. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Having written and produced songs for Michael Jackson's Thriller, Bad, and Dangerous albums, which Dangerous was the first album that Michael recorded without Quincy Jones serving as the producer. Just so you know, Glenn Ballard was no... That's he, quite a resume. Mm -hmm. It's quite a resume. He, was, he wasn't just like somebody that was hanging out in the apartment waiting for somebody to come into his office, which is what Alanis actually did. So Alanis stumbles into his office. They began writing these songs, right, together. They wrote the entire album, Jagged Little Pill, together. They eventually found a record label to release that album, which at the time was a newly formed record label called Maverick Records. The record label that Warner Brothers basically gave to Madonna just to sign new artists. After a brief meeting, Madonna actually signed Alanis and Jagged Little Pill was released in 1995. Did you know that? It's a little Did not know that. Nope, didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so without Madonna, we would not have Alanis Morissette. And Madonna also notably signed a band back in the 90s, uh, a dance act called The Prodigy back in the 90s. I don't know if you know who they are. There was a couple bands that she signed that actually did very well. There was another one called Candlebox. That was a rock band, an alternative rock band that had a few hits back in the 90s. So just so you know, Maverick Records, it wasn't just a little record label. Alanis did start this label, but they had a lot of success and it was Madonna's label. The first single, You Ought to Know, featured bass playing from Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And if you listen to that song, there is a bass line in that song that is very prominent that you do not hear in other Alanis Morissette songs. And it's because Flea was playing on that. Mm -hmm. He is 
he's just one of those bass players. You can hear it. It's very notable in that song. It also featured lead guitar from Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction, who actually has a TV show called Ink Masters about tattoos. The song was an instant hit with a video that added a bit of mystery to this new singer as the video never really showed her face due to her hair and the camera angles that were chosen. And because she was always like flailing around in the video, you never really got a <laughs> steady shot of her face. When she first came out, this video just added to the mystery. Like, who is this person? This What is this song? Oh my God. Is she I just want to watch her flail around. <laughs> I wonder if she just wasn't pretty enough to be on that's, camera. So they were hiding her. Oh yeah. Exactly. That's oh. that's the behind the scenes story. There is that they. Oh just, really? Yes, absolutely. So jagged little pill would have six singles to reach the top twenty, and including such notable songs as "Hand in My Pocket," "Ironic," "You Learn," "Head Over Feet," "All I Really Want," and "Perfect." The album would also result in an onslaught of angsty female musicians to be signed to record deals like Fiona Apple, Meredith Brooks, who is famous for her song called "Bitch." Avril Lavigne, and many others. (laughs) Alanis would tour for the next 18 months to support Jagged Little Pill, which ended up selling over 33 million copies worldwide, with 16 million of those sales just in the United States, making it the third best-selling album of all time by a female artist behind Shania Twain's Come On Over and Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard soundtrack which sold 20 million and 18 million copies respectively just in the States. Wow. There, those are some heavy hitters. Those um, are some stats for you, right? There. So there, yeah. there were a couple other things that, that I'm going to throw in here real quick. Cause I did my research too. And um, come to find out she won for Jagged Little Pill. She won the best album of the year Grammy. And at that time she was the youngest person ever to win that album of the year. Oh, look wow. at that. I did not I did not get that little yep. bag. Nice. Very nice. And uh, also, I was shocked by this, but super intrigued. In 2018, a live musical stage production based on the album premiered in Cambridge, Massachusetts and transferred to Broadway the following year. It was on Broadway when uh, COVID hit. Right. What was, was it called? It was nominated for 15 Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Oh, you know what? I don't think I have the actual name of it. I probably should have got that. Yeah, I don't I want, well, I want to well. say it was just called Jagged Little Pill. I want to yeah. say. It might have been. Might have been. Huh. But I, I just thought that was crazy because, you know, I li- after I read that, I'm like, uh, okay. And I went and listened to the album and I'm like, oh, well, shit, I don't know how I would transfer this to like a live stage production. So I'm, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. COVID shut down quite a few shows and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I learned so, that today too. So just so you guys know, the album overall is actually ranked 19th in the best-selling albums of all time behind such notable juggernauts as Michael Jackson's Thriller, ACDC's Back in Black, wow. the Beatles, I know, the Beatles' White Album, and Floyd's wow. The Wall. Wow! Mm-hmm. Between Jagged Little Pill and her follow-up album, she recorded two songs with the Dave Matthews Band, which appeared on their third album called Before These Crowded Streets. And she also contributed a song to this film called City of Angels, which was called Uninvited, which became a hit and won her two Grammy Awards, one of them for Best Female Rock Vocal. So Mm. she's a multiple Grammy winner at this point. After this, you're going to notice that there is a very unsteady sound with her albums. All right. And that's because she does switch producers quite a bit. The second album 
which was the follow-up to Jagged Little Pill, was released in 1998 and was called Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie. The album lacked the tight hooks and the choruses that championed her prior album to its infamous status. Instead, the album was filled with what seemed like rambling lyrics and very, very rushed production. The album is seen as a flop, although it did debut at number one. The album only had one single, was called Thank You, which had a music video that featured a fully nude Alanis Morissette on the subway, her response to women being ridiculed for wearing skimpy clothes, and the standard that women have to be stick figures to be successful in the music industry. So Atta if girl. If you have not watched <laughs> the music video for Thank You, I remember it being very controversial. She's fully nude, but her hair is long enough to where it blocks out her breasts and her the JJ is uh, a little <laughs> is a little blurred out throughout the video, but she did, yeah, that's she, bold. That's she, pretty bold right and there. She, and she filmed it in the New York subway, and she said, "Not nobody batted an eye." <laughs> 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 so it was. It wasn't until two thousand one when Alanis would release her follow up to support supposed former infatuation junkie. This album was called Under Rug Swept and saw a return to form with catchy songs and very tight productions that she actually did herself. So the first two albums were produced by Glenn Ballard, right? And this album, she actually did not use Glenn Ballard at all. She wrote and produced every song herself. The album debuted at number one and would eventually go platinum, championed by the single Hands Clean. And uh, just so you guys know, platinum is a million copies. All right, gold is 500,000. And when we're talking about diamond albums, we're talking about 10 million copies. All right. Wow. Just, just FYI. Alanis continued releasing music with the album So-Called Chaos in 2004. In, mm-hmm. 2000, in 2008, Morissette would release the album called Flavors of Entanglement. And again, switching producers, this album was produced by Guy Sigsworth. After this album, Alanis would leave Maverick Records in search of a new record label. In 2012, Alanis would release the album Havoc and Bright Lights. We would not see another album from Alanis until 2020 with Such Pretty Forks in the Road, which actually did garner some attention with the album's lead single, The Reasons I Drink, getting mild attention and mild radio play. That's just a little bit about Alanis Morissette. That's a the- lot of it about Amar- That's a lot of stuff. Actually. <laughs> okay. So the reason why I think she has struggled in her career is because she has not found a consistent sound. And if you listen to her albums back to back, which I did, she definitely switches sounds with almost every album. In fact, her the albums that were produced by Guy Sigsworth, they even go back to her early dancier days. They have very poppy songs on there. So the range of her music and the way that she was introduced to the world with You Ought to Know are two very, very different things, I think. Yeah, she just lost it the magic of Glenn Ballard. Feet. I said it worked for Little Feet. Every time they changed, they still had that success. I, with, with Little Feet, though, I think they still had a consistent sound. I, I still feel like they had, no matter what, it was a classic rock, New Orleans jazz kind of sound. Okay, that, you might be right there. I don't know anything else about Alanis Morissette, but those big hits off of that little pill thing. So my question is, I, with all of this, I wonder why she has not gotten back with Glenn Ballard to yeah. kind of write another album like Jagged Little Pill, since she hasn't really found the same success that she did with Jagged Little Pill. So what do you guys think about all that? I mean, the stats are impressive. Mm-hmm. The stats are very, very impressive. So it's actually... It sounds very impressive until you actually start looking at 
the way that albums are sold today with streaming being a huge part of the way that albums are actually calculated, album sales are actually calculated. Before, when I gave you those chart stats, those were just the U.S. albums, right? Those are just U.S. album sales. If you actually get into streaming sales and how they're calculated, Alanis Morissette, she still ranks in the top 100 best-selling artists of all time, but she's, wow. down, but she's down there in the 90s, all right? Well, it's still impressive. Yeah. It's, st- it's still very impressive. But because those other albums that she released really did not sell much and did not have the the singles that her first album did, she's definitely not up there with some people that you would think, like, you know, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley. So just so you guys know, when they're calculating album sales in today's world, you have to actually also calculate streaming services like Spotify. So when somebody streams a song on Spotify, how is that calculated? into an album sale. So I can tell you this, this is what I found. On Spotify, when somebody does stream a song and they actually pay for Spotify, this is called premium streaming, it Mm -hmm. takes a total of 1,250 streams for that one song to equal one album unit. If somebody doesn't pay for Spotify, then it actually takes 3,750 streams to equal one album sale from one song. You lost me. I don't know that I really understand half of the words you just said. (laughs) uh, Kevin, I'm with you because it all sounds like math. It makes me remember that Brian was such a great math teacher. So, right? Blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about drag race again. Jesus. No, (laughs) I think I can figure it out, though. I might have been able to wrap my head around it. Um, So, but we've heard enough numbers. Just talk something different right now. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to throw that. It it takes a lot of streams to equal one album sale. All right. But that being said, if you do figure in album streams and album sales and singles and things like that, the number one best-selling artist of all time is actually the Beatles, followed closely by Michael Jackson at number two. Number three is Elvis Presley. Number four is Queen, and you'll never guess who's number five. Alanis Morissette. Madonna. Madonna. Oh, I yeah. thought it was going to go right back to her. Nope. Um, Alanis, Alanis Morissette. When we're figuring in single sales, album sales, digital streaming sales, and all that stuff, Alanis Morissette actually falls down to number 96. All right. Oh, that's right. You said that in the beginning. Yeah. Um, Still sounds like math. It's, it is. Yeah. Uh, number, number six is the Rolling Stones. Number seven is Pink Floyd. Number eight is Led Zeppelin. Number nine is Elton John. And number 10 best-selling artist of all time is actually U2. I can right. believe all of that. Yeah. I can too. I believe all of that. It just kind of goes, when you're looking at charts and you start to see things like, you know, Alanis Morissette is the third best-selling female artist of all time. You can take that with a grain of salt because some charts are figuring in digital streams and some charts only figure in digital album sales. And that's the only point I wanted to make with all that crazy math. Okay. <laughs> well, that was worth it. That's all you needed to say. That's all you needed to say. But that was very interesting. I learned a lot about her. I um, Unfortunately, I still wouldn't ever buy her album. But she sounds like an interesting, very well-educated person. She's a, she is a very well-educated person, and I think she has constantly been fighting this angry, angsty uh, singer kind of vibe that she gave off just because that was the first single that she released. If you, rele- yeah. if you listen to any of her other albums, she doesn't have a song even close to being that angry. 
Which is so. why she hasn't seen the same success. I mean, that was magic. The angsty, you know, angry female. Everybody wanted to hear that. And people still want to hear that, honestly. I agree. And give the people what they want. Bring back Glenn Ballard. <laughs> re- record. And even if you don't write the songs yourself, let him write them. Record a nice little angry pop album for us. And give us what we want. Give her what right. she wants. And make all the money. Well, you know, right. one of the one of the pieces of real true magic between the two of them when they were writing and making Jagged Little Pill, they went into a studio and their goal was to make uh, to record a single song every single day. And they did. And they every single song on Jagged Little Pill was recorded in either one or two takes, no more than two takes. Hmm. Yes. And you can actually tell some of the songs actually do still sound like the demo that actually was recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what? Think about that. You're going to walk into a room with one other person and come out with a hit song in one day. That's magic, really. Why would you turn away from that? Why would you not even consider that? I don't know. But, you know, she's not one of those people. I don't think she's really concerned with chasing the hit. I don't think she's really concerned with recording the best-selling album or going on the biggest tour that she can. I think she's happy being the person that she is today. Well, good. Good for her, then. Good for her. If that's what she wants, then great. We do have an artist for next week that Kevin Cronk has selected. And go ahead and announce that for us, Kevin. Who are we going to be into Honey, you next are week? going to love this. If you are excited <laughs> to hear even a hint of the Bee Gees, wait till you oh. hear. I am a disco queen through and through. And we're going to be talking about Donna Summer next week. Okay. Nice. Nice. I know little to nothing about Donna Summer except for maybe two songs like that. Uh, Beep, beep, toot, toot. What's that song? (laughs) (laughs) And isn't there a song where she had an orgasm? Like at the end of it, it's like 10 minutes long or something. Oh, well, this is going to be really fun to research. Um, I think I know the song you're talking about. It's like Love to Love You, Baby or something. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. Was that Donna Summer? Yeah. We're all... I'm gonna have to do some homework because I don't. I do know a lot of her songs, but I know nothing about her as a as a person. Same. I think me a, too. I think a, I think a lot of people are like that. I think she's one of those people that retained a sense of mystique about her, even though she was a very popular artist uh, back in the disco era. She is the ultimate disco queen. That's right. That's right. She yeah, changed the face of a... music. She really kind of made disco into what it was at the time. She was one of the first ones to really make it big. And she really pushed that envelope and inspired so many other sounds. It was great. I'm really, I'm really excited to learn more about her. Me too. Yeah, I this, can't, I yeah. can't wait. That'll give me a nice little, her. nice little deep dive. And just so yeah. our listeners are aware, we did set up a Gmail account for your many questions. So you guys can stop tweeting me at my personal Twitter account, please. I'm not going to start an OnlyFans. Just stop. But our <laughs> It was instinctive. Our, I couldn't help it. Our only, our only, our, our, our only fans. Our email account is actually shoppingfortea at gmail.com. And we also have an official Twitter account now. We're not verified, so I shouldn't say official. But it's shopping for the number four T pod. All right. At Twitter. So if you go on Twitter, search for shopping for T pod, the number four, and you should see our Twitter account. Make sure you guys follow us so you can get updates on all the latest episodes. And once again, I'd like to thank Sylvia Rose and Kevin Kronk for devoting their time on this weekend to this episode. It was very informative. I think we all learned a little something. And I love yes. how 
I love how this podcast is taking on different genres. If you guys are keeping track, this is going to be the third Donna Summer will be the third different genre that we've tackled. This is You're great. welcome. It's going to be great. Oh, yes. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> and thank you both. No, this has been so much fun. And I love the way that we're sort of evolving. And I did get some fan feedback because, you know, uh, even though they didn't have access to our new account, um, but our fans are loving it. They say that we're great. Some of them don't know who we're talking about. And I was like, don't worry. Sometimes I don't either. And <laughs> it's fun. So it's fun. So get us some more of those emails, fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Reach out to us so we can discuss whatever your concerns are on the next episode of the podcast. And we are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, here on Spotify. So make sure you guys subscribe and comment on the episode. Yeah. And make All sure right. you tell me I'm pretty because I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, pretty Kevin. Bye. bye. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend. Peace bye, out. Bye, Kevin. Bye, bye. Sylvia. Bye.